0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode two, the Cubs Golden Glovers. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Crawley here interviews Tommy Birch, who covers the Iowa Cubs for the Des Moines Register. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, Tommy Birch, who covers the Iowa Cubs for the Des Moines Register. How you doing today, Tommy? I'm doing
2: pretty good. How about you?
1: Good, good. The reason I wanted to talk to you other than I just like talking to you is that uh, you just wrote a great article for the register on five offseason updates about Cubs prospects who could be playing in Iowa this summer. It is snowing today when we are recording this here in the Chicagoland area. And all I'm thinking about, Tommy, is spring training and soon baseball starting and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's going to happen, you know?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's snowing here too. So it's kind of it, it, anytime you can think about baseball, it's a good time, especially during the snow. But it it is a little hard to believe that spring training's just right around the corner. I mean, it's coming up next month. Pitchers and and catchers report, and you know, with the Cubs and just everything that happened in the minor league system last year, there's just so many so many things going on in the offseason to keep close tabs on. I think kind of some of it may get a little overlooked just because so much of the focus has been on free agency, what the Cubs are going to do, who they're going to sign, what they're looking for and, and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at the clock right now in one hour, Tommy, I'm buying my tickets for uh spring training. So I am absolutely excited thinking about that now. You know, it was a crazy year for the Cubs affiliates. Uh, unfortunately, you guys didn't make the postseason, but you and I have talked before that that's not necessarily kind of the goal sometimes of of a Triple A team, you know. Um, but you did get a chance to see a lot of the top-tier talent that is close to making the big club and potentially having a huge impact this season. Uh, in your article, you had a chance to talk to Jared Banner, the Cubs VP of Player Development, for some updates on some of these players. Um, the first one that you mentioned... Uh, was Brennan Davis. We had Brennan on the show this past week. We uh, had him out to Club 400 along with Cole Franklin uh, a few weeks back. And, man, just what a great kid. I absolutely am 100% rooting for this guy. Uh, what did you learn about uh, J- uh, Brennan and where you see him uh, kind of starting off this season?
2: Yeah, I think the most important thing was that Jared said that he has no limitations right now, which really good sign. Given everything that Brennan went through last year, obviously the back surgery, um, having some soreness during the AFL, the big question was, okay, like, is this something that's going to linger into the offseason and possibly linger over into spring training? Maybe possibly be something that just is kind of lurking there the <clears throat> the entire time. You know, when it comes to back injuries, those are, those are always tricky. You just never know how a guy – is going to respond to those. So to hear that um, he's a full go, he's been at the complex doing a lot of work, staying busy, it's a really good time because it's going to be a big year for Brennan Davis. It, you know, last year was going to be a big season for him starting off in Des Moines being one step away from Chicago and being in the big leagues. I think the the expectation was at some point last season we we're gonna see Brennan Davis in Chicago. But Um, I, it's obviously not something to overly worry about right now because he is such a young guy. I think people tend to forget that, you know, he was a high school draft pick. He hasn't gotten a ton of at-bats between the COVID-19 year, other injuries they had, injuries they had last year. Um, it's not like there was a huge rush to, um, sorry, I'm kind of battling a little cold. Um. There's not a huge rush to give him to the big leagues and see what he has. You know, he's still a young guy, still got plenty of time to develop, but this is going to be a big year in the development process, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, you know, and and the thing about it, you mentioned he is still very young and he just has a maturity that's beyond his years. You know what I mean? He, he You know, I don't want to compare him to Jason Hayward, but I'm just talking about that leadership, the quiet leadership quality, the matureness. Uh, that that I see when I when I talked to Brennan and and kind of had a chance to hang out with him. Um, as far as what you saw on the field, the other thing about Brennan, you know, being somebody from Arizona and then going to play in Myrtle Beach and stuff like that really kind of was his first time playing in the cold, right? Is that, uh, you know, obviously in Iowa or whether it's in Chicago, April and May can be real brutal months. So definitely curious to see how he responds to, you know, being healthy, but still having to play in those, in that, those cold weather games.
2: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the Cubs do with that, because obviously you want to get him at bats early on and you want to hit the ground running, but you also want to be, very well aware of the situation that this is something that it's a delicate type of injury you know it's like we said whenever it's a back it's it's something you're always keeping close tabs on so you know we've seen in the past where they've held guys out for for the start of the season and AAA and kept them back in Arizona to get some more work done I guess that wouldn't shock me but I think you know, I have no inside knowledge when it comes to that. I think a lot of it is going to be dictated on how he's doing, how he's feeling, how he's looking during spring training. But I think that's a possibility. And also, you know, if he's just swinging the bat really well in spring training, just send him to Iowa and just move on and and see how it goes. Because, like I said, at bats, experience, and, and playing time is very important for Brennan Davis because he just doesn't have the numbers um, in terms of experience that, that you wouldn't want him to have by now.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and, and the thing about Brian with his injuries is a, a bunch of them were very fluky. I know he got hit in the head in spring training. One time he got hit in the hand, uh, you know, in 2019. And then this injury isn't a structural back issue. It was a bizarre kind of nerve issue going into the sciatic nerve. So, you know, hopefully everything's okay. But speaking of injuries, one of the worst moments this offseason, as far as those of us that pay attention to the prospects, was the injury suffered by outfielder Alexander Canario, who was playing in the Dominican League, uh, requiring multiple surgeries. Do we have a status update on Canario? What, what What's it looking like as far as his recovery?
2: Yeah, he's not going to be ready for spring training. I don't think like, that's a total shock given to anybody that saw the injury and and what he went through, you know, they're once again kind of like the, the injury to Brennan. They're going to take their their time, make sure he's helped, you know, he's healed, he, he's good to go because there really is no rush. Well, it's one spot that the Cubs have kind of a plethora of options right now is the outfield where, you know, it's not like there's a need to fill right now. And He is still a guy that needs... To get more experience, too. I, th- I think he played three different levels last season, the end of the year in Iowa. He was a little bit dinged up, too, at the end of that um, that season in, in Iowa, but ended up ending the season on a pretty high note where um, he looked really comfortable and had really adjusted to triple-A pitching. So I think the expectation was he was going to start off in A again see how he does, and, you know, if he makes a compelling case, give him a look in in Chicago at some point. But like I said, there's just no room for him right now. There's no need for him right now. Obviously, you want to have those guys freed up, healthy, ready to roll in case a need arises. Now, um, you know, whether that happens or not, um, early on is going to be irrelevant when it comes to Canario because there just isn't a timetable for when he'll be back. Right now, all I've kind of been told is it's going to be day-to-day to, day to, to see how it goes.
1: Now, you know, you, you mentioned the plethora of outfielders that both in the major league level and in the minor league level that the Cubs actually have. He led the minor league system in home runs last year at 37, um, and he hit six of those in the 20 games in Iowa uh, as he went through the system. You know, I'm just looking, you know, I'm just trying to kind of project into the future a little bit, looking into the crystal ball, you know what I mean? And, you know, Suzuki's anchored in right field, okay? Uh, you got a five-year, you know, four more years left on that deal. You have Ian Happ in his final year before hitting free agency, and then you have uh, Bellinger for center field for, you know, a proven contract, you know, a one year one-and-done probably deal for the Cubs. You know, with Canario, he was someone that I saw as potentially being traded for a piece that they would potentially need. But now as I'm kind of looking at this right here, you know, the Cubs need power. That's the one thing when you look at the major league roster is that they don't have power really in the corners like a big slugger. You know what I mean? And so rather than being traded, which, I, you know, something I heard with Canario is potentially him being trade bait. You know, I wonder if the Cubs may potentially want to stick with him and see what happens. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, especially because right now I just think there isn't a need to go out and get anything quite yet. I think he's the type of player that, if you do end up shipping him, it's going to be like, okay, we've got a hole to pl- uh, to plug immediately for. We're making a run right now. That's the type of time that you put pl- you probably trade a blue chip prospect. Like him, and I think kind of the other guy that we're kind of forgetting about too in the outfield, miss you know, outfield, um, you know, situation is Nelson Velasquez, who you know has put, put up some really good numbers. Reminds me a lot of Canario, too, where he's got some legitimate pop, a really good athlete can cover ground in the outfield as well. Probably not as much pop as Canario, but a legitimate, uh, toolsy type outfielder who who could do some things. Now, is Velasquez going to start off the season as kind of the fourth outfielder? Um, In Chicago, is he going to get more at-bats in the minor leagues and start this season in Iowa? That's going to be interesting to see as well. But kind of like what you had mentioned, you know, it's just like there are so many options, not just in Chicago, but in the minor leagues as well, where – They've got a ton of up-and-coming talent in the minor leagues, especially at the outfield spots.
1: Right. Now, another player like uh, Canario who went through three levels in the minor league and did nothing but mash home runs was Matt Mervis, Uh, second in the minor league system with 36 home runs, one behind Canario. Uh, He hit 15 home runs in 57 games in Iowa and continued to hit homers in the AFL. What do you think the odds are that he starts in the majors as opposed to starting in the minor leagues? The Cubs just signing Eric Hosmer this week.
2: Yeah, I think that pretty much says it all right there that he's probably going to to start in Triple A, barring like just absolutely tearing up pitching during spring training. And even then, it's going to be really tough to say, "Hey, Matt, you have earned a job in Chicago when you've gone out and signed, um, you know, a left handed." Hitting a gold glove all star caliber first baseman. I think the goal is hey, we're gonna have Eric Hosmer and man that position. We're gonna send Matt Mervis back to the minor leagues and and really figure out like, okay, was the 2022 season what we're getting from Matt Mervis going on going forward? You know, I think obviously he produced at a very high level, um, was probably the biggest surprise story in all of minor league baseball but I think there are still questions kind of surrounding like, okay, who is Matt Mervis? What he can do? Um, <clears throat> what type of future does he have moving forward? And, you know, we saw some of the scouting reports come out in the AFL that were, that were a little hard on Matt that kind of questioned, okay, is this guy going to be an everyday big leaguer and everyday first baseman um, at the big league level that there were possibly some, some flaws mm-hmm. that, scouts and other evaluators were seeing in a swing and knowing they was producing against some, some pretty young pitching in the AFL, which is usually, you know, lower level pitching prospects, but he still did it. He still put together a huge season. Um, Last year at all three levels answered every test. So what I think will probably happen is barring just a monster spring training where he just completely forces the issue is he'll go back to um, to AAA. If he breaks there, they'll call him up, give him a chance, and see what he has. At the very least, you have a nice insurance policy in Eric Hosmer where you are not going out and just handing the job to Matt Mervis house spring training right away and saying, okay, this mm-hmm. is your job to, to go and lose. I think that's a lot of pressure put on him. Um, but I'm very interested to see what he can do because I'm I'm getting to a point. I'm, I am think I'm to a point where I'm a firm believer in what Matt Mervis can do as a hitter.
1: Right. And, you know, I was a little bit worried about that, too, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Put, put Mervis in first base. I'm like, guys, you realize he had one really good season, great season in the minors. His first one wasn't that great. He's only played there. And to say, like, OK, you're going to be the everyday first baseman and the other, you know, like you said, puts a lot of pressures. On there. And then not only that, but I've seen how frustrating it is for hitters to play in Wrigley Field in April and May. Balls that would easily be home runs, landing safely in the glove of outfielder. So if he starts at Iowa for a couple of months, it is not the worst situation. Nothing, in my opinion, for Cub fans to get super frustrated about.
2: Well, I think it's a situation that Matt can totally handle too. Where you know, I've I've had a lot of really good conversations with him, where I think he totally understands the situation. This is only going to be his third year of pro ball, and you know, all, all he has to do is go out and keep doing what he's been doing, and he will get to Chicago. You know, there is a path for him. Now, I, I think he totally understands the idea that it's, it's pretty realistic that you're going to be starting the season uh, back in the minor leagues. It's not like a Chris Bryant situation that, you know, he was fully ready to to break spring training with the Cubs. You know, they they just wanted to, to gain that extra season of, of control over him. It's not a situation like that. It's really a situation about showing uh, what you can do and once again proving yourself one more time. And if you can do that, you're going to be in the big leagues.
1: Now, I loved it in your article in the Des Moines Register about the forgotten prospect. Don't forget about Miguel Amaya because it is so easy to, you know, once considered one of the top prospects for the Cubs. He made a couple futures games, you know, and then the COVID season wipes out 2020. He only plays 23 games in 2021 before a forearm strain ends the season. Uh, He has Tommy John surgery that causes him to miss most of 2022. He finally is back with Tennessee towards the end of the 2022 season, and he's about to play in the AFL before a foot injury puts a halt to that. Update on Miguel's health, and where do you anticipate him starting in the 2023 season?
2: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up starting. Obviously, the Cubs signed some. Look like today the Cubs signed some uh, some depth at the minor league position at catcher. Um, They're so waiting to hear what happens with PJ Higgins if he clears waivers. Um, If he does, then I would fully expect Miguel Amaya to to maybe start the season double A. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start this season triple A though, knowing that um, like the clock is ticking on him. He has been around for in the system for a while now, obviously it's kind of the same situation when it comes to Brennan Davis, that injuries have just kind of uh, derailed his journey to the major leagues. I think we all expected the idea that, hey, last year was going to be the last year for Wilson Contreras. And the hope was that Miguel Amaya probably would have been in the big leagues last season, kind of learning from him, mentoring um, kind of getting adjusted to, to the big league level and maybe ready to take over that spot. Now, obviously, that hasn't happened, and there are a lot of questions about, okay, not only his health, but there has just been so little game action, like, okay, how good of a hitter is he? What kind of a catcher is he? Those are all fair questions to ask, but it's so easy to forget what he was, who he was, and kind of where he was on track to be that – um. I think if it, it kind of gets to a point where if he is healthy and productive, like, man, you, you've you got kind of like what I had said, the the forgotten prospect in the system that could contribute in a big, big way long-term. I don't think right now the Cubs are, like, banking on the idea of, like, okay, Miguel Amaya is our catcher in the future. That is the, the absolute game plan. I think in the back of their minds, they're like, okay, it would be great if he could. But the injuries, the, you know, everything, all the time he has missed just kind of tells you like, okay, that's not something we can absolutely count on, bank on, and, and hope on right now. If it happens, great.
1: Right. Now, the other piece of the Chris Bryant trade that brought Alexander Canario to the Cubs was Caleb Killian. I was there at his major league debut against the Cardinals in the second half of a doubleheader, and the atmosphere, Tommy, was electric. Um, He pitched really well that night, but then he struggled his next few starts before getting sent back to the minors. Uh, From what you saw from Caleb, what needs to improve to get him to that next step to be a successful major league pitcher?
2: Wow. I think it's just attacking the strike zone. Obviously that was a big issue for him last year where the walks just piled up. It looked like he didn't have as much confidence in, in some of his stuff. And I think obviously From my perspective, I think he was kind of misused a little bit where he was under his really tight pitch count when he was in Iowa to start the season where they were keeping very close tabs on him because, hey, he is one of the top prospects in the system. He is the top pitching prospect. At the time, there were some really high hopes for him. But then they brought him up and just, you know, um, let him just completely blow through that pitch count where, you know, you talk to anybody in baseball, you know, uh, 70 pitches at AAA, um is not 70 pitches during your first big league start. It's totally different, the, the mental and physical grind that you're going to go through. And I think they kind of started to ask Caleb Killian to do different things in Chicago than he had been doing in Iowa. So I think part of it is just getting him back on to – what was working for him, figuring out how to attack the strike zone and getting his confidence back up too. And I think towards the end of last season, kind of some of the things I'd heard is that maybe Caleb Killian was not a hundred percent healthy and they he was just trying to grind through the end of the regular season. So hopefully a fully healthy um, Caleb Killian moving forward can be, you know, great news for him and great news for the Cubs because um You know, we talked about Miguel Amaya kind of being the forgotten prospect. Like, I think a lot of ways people have kind of moved on from Caleb Killian too. Like, I want to say just completely passed over him. But I think a lot of fans just kind of forgot about him in a sense. Like, okay, man, all all the hope, all the hype, all the excitement just kind of went out the window. But, like, man, it's still early in his career. He's got a ton of intangibles. He's got a ton of great things. To really like about him. He's still a young dude. He's still got plenty of time. And I still think he can be a really good big league pitcher.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: I keep telling people, you know, uh, you know, Justin Steele's been with the Cubs since I think 2014. You know what I mean? Sometimes these things take a little bit of time and there's bumps in the road. It's not always a linear path to the major leagues. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you get the new toys, the Hayden Wisniewski's, the Ben Browns, you draft Kate Horton, and all of a sudden Oh, Caleb who, you know, so like you said, hopefully back on track now, obviously in an article, you can't put everything you think down, but is there anyone else that you would say that you're really kind of keeping an eye on as far as this season, 2023 season being important, as far as AAA someone that may have a huge impact on the Cubs that maybe is flying under the radar. That isn't as big of a name as some of the other guys mentioned in your piece.
2: Yeah. It's kind of a weird one that, you know, I actually asked about, but didn't include in, it's another guy who is on the same level as Miguel Amaya. It's Breo and Marquez who the Cubs ended up releasing, ended up signing to a minor league deal. Uh, from the sounds of it, they expect, uh, they're hoping he can get back on the mound um, this summer. I really didn't get much details on, you know, where he is at in terms of things, but like, man, at one point he was the top pitching prospect in the system. He was a guy with the best stuff you know the I've, I've had countless people in the organization tell me like wow it's it's just it's great stuff it's electric stuff it's game changing type stuff but the question is how often do you get to see that stuff he's been hurt so much um it seems like it's been one roadblock after another for for mark West. so it's kind of in that same boat as go. Amaya in the sense that like you aren't banking on getting anything out of him. But if you do, like, man, that could be a giant game changer. But that's like the guy that I've been so intrigued to see. You know, obviously you got the the one game stay in Chicago, I believe, in 2020 during the COVID year against the White Sox, where he showed off some pretty good stuff. Um, but ever since then <clears throat> it's just kind of been trouble after trouble for him on the injury front. So I've been wanting to see him for a long, long time. I think if you go back and look through, like, my register stories about, like, prospects to watch or storylines to follow, like, I've been including Braylon Marquez and, like, every one of them for the past four or five years. So, like, I'm I'm to a point where I, I just want to see it in person for myself. And there is some hope still being held out that, like, okay, there could be something there. I think it obviously is there. It's just can he get healthy enough to get back on the mound and stay on the mound?
1: Right. Well, Tommy, you know, I appreciate your time kind of spending a few minutes talking with us. Um, people, like I said, can, uh, find your work at the Des Moines register in Des Moines. The S is silent as Pat Hughes likes to remind yeah. us. Um, where will, where, where could our uh, listeners find you on Twitter?
2: Yeah. At Tommy Birch, it's B I R C H. There's no U in there. So, um, but yeah, all of updates as as we get kind of closer to the season. I think we're gonna have some staffing announcements coming up in the next month or so. So, should be an interesting uh, interesting run here. We're gonna have spring training invites coming out soon. Probably some more minor league deals. So, plenty to keep an eye on.
1: Speaking of minor uh, spring training invites, Tommy, are you heading to the desert?
2: I am not. So I'm going to be stuck in Iowa or wherever Iowa State is playing in the NCAA tournament. So um, I want to get out to spring training. I think there are tons of great stories, but um, that's above my pay, pay grade to, to make the, make the decision. If, if I could be out there, I'd be out there right now.
1: <laughs> well, Tommy, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking to you more as the season goes along. I'm wishing you all the best. And again, thanks for jumping on Fly the W.